Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. And this week, we're still being, uh, creppy? We're being spoopy. So spoopy. We are, it's, no gu- no guests this week. Yeah. This one, I don't know how, I don't know how this episode is going to shake out. I'm tired. I've had a, I've had a week. I've had an entire seven days worth of time that have passed. Okay. So, I'm going to try my best because I'm in charge of the topic this week. For the topic this week, I've chosen something I've kind of had in the back of my brain for a while now, but I decided, hey, let's do it on the podcast now. So this week we're talking about the Stepford Wives. Woo! So the Stepford Wives began as a novel, 1972, by Ira Levin, uh, who is also the author of Rosemary's Baby. Cool. And nothing else that is relevant. <laughs> ah. So yeah, so it's a 1972 novel, and uh, it was about some women who moved to the suburb of Stepford, Connecticut, with their husbands, and it's really weird. Because all the other wives in that suburb are acting, like, completely the same, like, identical to each other. They're, like, generic 1950s walked out of an advertisement. They all probably make terrible fish jello molds. Creepy. And all the men are part of this weird men's club that only men can join, because it's a men's club. And then, ever like, every few months, another one of the newcomer women all of a sudden just changes their tune and is like, Actually, I love acting like a 1950s stereotype. This is great. I don't have to worry about sports or having intelligence or anything. I'm just going to constantly fuck my husband and bake for him. Yay. <laughs> and the main character, Joanna, is, like, more and more aware of what's going on. She knows whatever's happening. It's coming for her next. And she's like, Oh, God, this is terrible. I have to get out. But then she doesn't escape in time. And then... Listen, this is spoilers, but it's a spoiler for a 40-year-old film, which everyone already knows the plot twist to. Yeah, and wasn't there a remake with Nicole Kidman? We're gonna get there. Okay. <laughs> because the, the twist, and it was a huge it was a huge twist in the book, because it was the 1970s, but everyone knows it now. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of those twists that like everyone knows about The Crying Game, and everyone knows about Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. The twist is that the husbands are killing all their wives and replacing them with high-tech robots. Built by Disney Imagineers. <laughs> that's that's one of the foreshadowings, is that a good chunk of the husbands are like, and they used to work for Disney theme parks, because their Hall of Presidents was the most cutting-edge technology of the time. True fact. Actually, uh, <laughs> check out Defunct Plan about like all of the crazy shit Walt got up to once he really got into theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> Still, still working on getting his frozen brain into a robot body. <laughs> hang on, hang on. It says it hasn't happened did, yet. Did Walt Disney actually get cryogenically frozen, or is that just a rumor? It's officially a rumor, but who knows? He made Disney World happen, and like that was a damn near impossible task to turn Florida Swamp into one of the world's biggest theme parks. Yeah. Okay, on Wikipedia, it says a long-standing urban legend maintains that Disney was cryogenically frozen. Uh, his daughter Diane later stated, "There is absolutely no truth to the rumor. My father, Walt Disney, wished to be frozen." And it's a—it's not like official section. It's a footnote attached to his like his death section on Wikipedia. 
<laughs> it's like, by the way, in case you were wondering about what happened to his frozen corpse, well, we have to say that officially we can't talk about that. This probably didn't happen. Also, I can't remember if Diane is the one who said that Disney should really stop being a monopoly. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but I know one of his daughters was like, hey. Listen, I know my dad was a raging capitalist and ruined a lot of people's lives, but calm down. <laughs> this isn't what he wanted for the company. He, listen, he didn't want to own America. He just wanted his own separate city in the Swamplands. That was incredibly racially diverse and had no unions. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> anyway, Stepford Wives. Step The Stepford Wives. The very first Stepford Wives. Walt Disney. No, it wasn't. Fuck. So the Stepford Wives, basically, it was a whole metaphor about how women are kind of browbeaten into having to be this one thing and, like, fulfill. Basically, it was how the Trad Wife Manifesto is bad. Yeah. And the novel was successful enough to get made into a movie. The movie was, like, a middling success, but it became a cult classic, and it popularized the idea of someone being a Stepford Wife in real life, not in the sense that they're a robot, but in the sense that, like, oh, you like over here you have these cool, liberated feminist women who are able to think for themselves and have their own careers and control their own lives, and then over here you have the traditional wives that they can't think for themselves, they only exist to serve their husbands, and they're barely even human, so, like, why do we even bother with them? Like, that kind of idea. That, that flavor, that yummy flavor of feminism. Yeah. So, it, it had, like, three separate made-for-TV singles, uh, that were basically made to have a nicer ending than the first movie, because the book and the movie both end with Joanna being replaced and getting turned into a robot, and the last shot is just all of the identical wives walking through the supermarket while Muzak plays, and they're like, Hello, Chastity. Hello, Charmaine. Hello, Joanna. Hello, Charmaine. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Joanna. How are the kids? Fine. How are your kids? Fine. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. How's your husband? I'm fine. How's your husband? He's fine. Just that kind of... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that that was the horror of it all. Yeah. Was that the wives couldn't get out. Yeah. The All the horror of the original is... It's kind of based on the idea that you don't know what happened to the wives. Like, mm -hmm. they're assuming that you didn't read the book. Please, please tell us you didn't read the book. Please tell us you're only seeing this on the word of the trailer that says, like, four separate times, from the author who brought you Rosemary's Baby, it's the Stepford Wives, a thrilling thriller of thrilling thrills, or some shit like that. Yeah, do the go the traditional route of you have probably seen this book, or you've probably seen the movie first, and maybe picked up the book afterwards. Yeah, Be because it is... Um, to borrow some, a note from Shannon saying yesterday, it's one of those movies where it's extremely slow, and it's all about the suspense and the build-up. And if you know what the twist is, this is one of those situations where it doesn't necessarily help because you're just you're waiting for them to say, "Oh, it's the robots." The whole yeah. the horror of it comes from the fact that you don't know why all these women have suddenly decided to com be, become completely subservient, and then you get to the part where Joanna just stabs Bobby, and Bobby starts to malfunction. <laughs> But yeah, it had like three different made-for-TV sequels, and like in the first one, the wives stop taking their robot vitamins, and they literally dismember their husbands. And the second one, it's the children being turned into robots, but the main family's able to escape. And in the third one, it's the Stefford husbands, but they're just getting like hypnotized, and then they stop getting hypnotized, and it's fine. <sighs> and then, in 2004, we got the Stepford Wives remake. 
directed by Frank Oz, starring Nicole Kidman, Matthew Broderick, Christopher Walken, Glenn Close, and um, I'm forgetting someone important. Hang on. Bette Midler. How could you forget <laughs> Bette Midler? How dare you? Exactly. So in this one, yeah. So in this one, Nicole Kidman plays Joanna, and instead of being in the first one, I think Joanna was a reporter, but in this one, she's like a successful TV executive. Uh, but she makes shitty reality shows that encourages women to cheat on their husbands or something like that. Okay. And and then in a reunion special, one of the contestants tries to kill another contestant, and she's like, "Yes, this is good." And then the the higher ups are like, "No, this is bad," and she gets fired. And then so her and her husband, Matthew Roderick, and their kids go move to Stepford, because it's like, we're going to learn how to be a family again. And then, yeah, it's just they're all trad wives, except for Nicole Kidman and Bette Midler, and one gay. <laughs> There's one gay couple, <laughs> which, th- we could get into that. But the movie itself doesn't dive very deep into it, because it's, it's the same situation, or at least at the start, it's the same situation, where they have the more outgoing people are, like, they, they, they're disappeared and they're replaced with much more traditional conformist acting people, but the gay guy is like, he, he's he's still considered a Stepford wife, because but he's not as sassy anymore. Okay. And his husband's a Republican, which is just a whole other can of worms. But also, it was two thousand four. Nobody knew shit. <laughs> okay. And and then and they all get replaced, but then. But then the the double twist of the two thousand four movie because because people originally it did have the same ending as the first one, uh, but the test audiences didn't like that, so they changed it so that instead of the wives being robots, they just had mind control chips implanted in their brains, which flies in the face of everything else that we've seen at the beginning of the movie, such as the the remote control that makes their breasts go bigger, or the or the ability for one of the wives to act like an ATM and spew money out of her mouth. This was supposed to be a parody, and then halfway through it was changed to be a straight adaptation, and then it was changed again at the last minute to be a comedy, again. And there's a lot of moments of high camp, but it's also very bad. Yeah. <laughs> so so the ending of the, the remake, at the end, it turns out that Nicole Kidman just pretended to get turned into a separate wife, and she and Matthew Broderick hatched a plan, because because he was totally down with like putting the wife and trad wife enslavement chips in her brain until she was like, "But I love my husband, even if I am a heinous bitch." <laughs> Jesus. They're like, she, she's like, "Can these wives say I love you?" Yes, in thirty-seven languages. Oh yeah, because Christopher Walken is also the leader of the men's association, so he's the big bad, or is he? So Nicole Kidman's like. Can these wives, these Stepford wives, can they say I love you? Yes, in 37 languages. But do they mean it? And she says that, and Matthew Broderick is like, oh, I had a change of heart. Because if I have a robot wife, she won't actually love me. She'll just be a six-foot-tall blonde sex doll. So, they hatch a scheme to, to Nicole Kidman distracts the husband's and, or something, and Matthew Broderick goes to the secret underground lab and and d- deletes the programming out of the chips and all the wives reawaken. Oh yeah, also all of these wives were like high-powered CEOs and then the men felt emasculated so they moved to the trad wife brainwashing suburb to get them turned into the robot wives. But but all the women like reawaken, but they also still have robot super strength because 17 people wrote the script in 17 separate rooms, and then they just shuffled all the pages together and decided, hey, let's see what happens. And and then Christopher Walken is like, 
I can't believe you ruined my beautiful Tradwife commune. I'm going to destroy you with a candlestick. And then Matthew Broderick's like, I'm going to destroy you with a candlestick. And he smacks Christopher Walken. But then Christopher Walken's head flies off because Christopher Walken is a separate husband. And everyone's shocked, like, oh my god, he's a separate husband. Meanwhile, the gay man is standing right there. But again, I guess he's still categorized as a separate wife, because fuck this. And Christopher Walken is a real robot, as opposed to all the other wives who are just people with brain chips in their brains. But also, I, I guess, like... I guess they got super robot bones or some shit so that they could have super strength and be ATM mouth. <laughs> so then it turns out that Glenn Close wasn't actually a Stepford wife. She was like a real flesh and blood human because Glenn Close was married to uh, uh, Christopher Walken. And she's like, listen, I, I used to be the world's greatest engineer and brain surgeon. <laughs> the best line in the movie is when she's doing her summation. I had top secret contracts with the Pentagon, Apple, and Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, she came home and she saw her husband having sex with her beautiful, blonde, booksome, 21-year-old research assistant. And so then she flies into a blind rage and she kills him. And the next morning she's like, what have I done? But also, what am I going to do? I know. I will create a suburb filled with robots and all the wives will be, like, nice and kind and traditional and subservient to the husbands. And once I've got all the wives, then I'll turn all the husbands into robots. And I'll turn the whole world into robots, and everything will be beautiful again. <laughs> and then I thought, where will people never notice a suburb filled with robots? And then I realized, Connecticut! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... That script feels like it's a cross between an Austin Powers movie and like, oh frick the, the Shaun of the Dead guys, sort yeah. of movie. <laughs> like I said, like there are too many writers, too many opinions. Frank Oz, I mean most of the cast, but Frank Oz specifically has said that he should have gone with his gut and just made a straight horror film. But then he was convinced to make a parody. Then he was convinced to change it back, and then he was convinced to change it back, back again. Anyways, then Glenn Close uh, makes out with the detached robot head of Christopher Walken and gets electrocuted to death. Okay. And and then the the audience of wives watching, they're like, oh, that's actually sweet. Um, also, this is at least the second time in film history that someone has been electrocuted to death while kissing Christopher Walken, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then Bette Midler gets a book deal, and Nicole Kidman is a TV executive again, and she makes a tell-all movie, and the gay guy is also there, and they're being interviewed by, I, th I think it's Larry King, I can't fucking remember, and Larry King's like, hang on, let me turn into Larry King, let me, let me hunch my shoulders all up and kind of flail my arms about, and so what happened to the Stepford husbands? And they're like, ah, well, the oh, the men, oh, you mean our loving husbands who tried to kill us and then put, a, like, a sexual assault chips in our brains? And just completely got rid of our humanity? Oh, we forced them to do the grocery shopping now, it's hilarious. Uh, and then, yeah, there's there's a clip of the Stepford husbands like, ah, oh, grocery shopping, but where are the husbands? Oh man, two thousand four movie fucking sucks. Yeah. As much, really, the only good part is Glenn. This was supposed to be like revitalize Glenn Close's career, and it didn't. But it should have just for those like five minutes where she's revealed to be the villain, because those are the best five minutes of the film. Yeah.
God damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> what am I doing? Well, for the longest time, I thought it would be an interesting idea because here's the, here's the other thing. 2004 re- reboot completely destroyed the franchise, essentially. It's not like it was much of a franchise to begin with, but like no one has expressed any interest in making a new Stepford Wives as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, I'm sure someone wants to, but like you don't want to mention it because like, oh, <laughs> and so is Christopher Walken going to be a robot head full of Electric Hugh Glenn close ATM mouth? No. So I've always thought it was be an interesting idea to do Stepford Wives <laughs> as a series. Okay. And as a prequel. Ooh. So my idea was that I'm thinking maybe three seasons. Like it starts there are two places it can start. Either it is a completely new suburb and all the families are new. Or it's a really fucking old suburb, and it's basically a desperate housewife situation where there's all of these old secrets and assorted bad blood between these various families. Part of me even wants to, like, in my mind, um, I'd love it if you didn't even know that it was a Stepford Wives series at the start. Okay. So, you, you, like... Let's like coming coming this fall to NBC. It's the development. It's this new development, and all these families are moving in, and there's something mysterious going on, and someone has died in the first episode, but who knows what it is? And then like you you're watching 13 episodes of the soap opera, and then like in the mid season finale, there it reveals that someone is a robot, and also like what are we gonna name this development anyways? Let's call it Stepford, and you're like oh my gosh, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> So basically, the whole idea would start off. I also, I do like the idea that, so, in the 2004 remake, when Glenn Close, I don't know any of these fucking characters' names, when Glenn Close is talking about why she made a robot Christopher Walken, she says that, like, she made him because other men would listen to him, because he was, like, strong and, okay, it's Christopher Walken, but she says he's strong and imposing and commanding, and the other men trust him and believe in him, believe in his vision to kill all the wives and turn them into robots. And so my kind of idea was that the main plot would start. You have this, like, high-powered couple, and they're both in major, major jobs. And either it happens the way in the movie where she ends up killing him, or he could just kill her, and he's the one who starts building the wives. But I do kind of like this idea that it is a woman behind it, because what got me thinking about this again was... This kind of the the modern day non intersectional purity based feminism, mm. where it's like you've we've you some certain feminist icons have managed to loop back around and start victim blaming and saying that oh the reason that women's lib is failing is because women have the audacity to do x y and z and no we should just be trad wives again like. Part of the summation from Glenn Close, and like another part was that, oh, it, my husband never would have cheated on me if I wasn't so busy with my job, and so I'm going to teach all these women to properly love their families by taking away all their autonomy and turning them into robots. That's another thing is that we can put some camp stuff in this, but let's not lest lest we forget that our options are either the wives are being murdered by their husbands and replaced by robots, or we are putting chips in their brain that lets them be sexually assaulted 
There's no, there's no consent. We, the, 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 the non-consent chip yeah. is put in the brain. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason why a lot of people, especially in hindsight, do not like the 2004 remake is because basically it is an entire town of wives that were raped by their husbands. And the husband's punishment is, oh, guess we gotta do chores now. Yeah. That's fucking gross. Yeah, so really, I, like, this, the series, I feel like a good direction for the series, or just the concept as a whole, because maybe it is just a movie, but I feel like it would be better as, like, an invasion of the body snatcher situation, where all of a sudden someone's acting, it, it can also be a lot more gradual, someone's acting, you know, just, just a little bit more, all of a sudden they stop doing the shitty things that their spouse wanted them to stop doing, and they're they're nicer and they're more attentive and they play with the kids more, but then they start going more and more and they start dressing more conservatively. They, like, quit their job to become a housewife or a house husband. They're like, oh, I'm going to do all the baking now. Oh, da-da, and I love you so much, and let's have sex whenever you want, da-da-da, and just slowly become this, like, husk as, I don't know, whoever's at the dials just cranking up the, the stuff. Yeah. The step the step fortium. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like this idea of, because it's a prequel, because it's how Stepford became the way it was, that the there's a slow build of sci-fi robot horror going on in the background of all these more standard soap opera plots. Yeah. So you would have and some kind of affair going on. You would have, like, someone dealing with an issue with their children. Like, there could be at some point, whoever's behind it decides, oh, we're going to Stepfordify the kid to make the kid better. Because like, there was the whole, the Stepford kids, the, Steph- yeah. the Stepford babies. Stepford babies. Stepford babies just kind of seems particularly scary. Because <laughs> it borders on children of the corn. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can have, br- bring some classism and racism into it, have like the the one, the token black couple of the suburb. And, like, the wife gets Stepfordified and basically, literally whitewashes everything about herself. Because yeah. now it's a white lady in control. And it's like, well, I, I'm just going to make her life better. And so, you know, no natural hair. And, you know, to do the what, what, yeah, all, all that stuff. Yeah. It's precipitated on the fact that the villain is a white lady who decides that she knows what's best for all other women. Mm-hmm. And for that matter, all other men. That That's another thing that can be, is that we, we don't have to just do the women first and then the men. Yeah. It can be varied. Yeah. And at some point, there would definitely be a guy who, like, finds out what they're doing, and instead of being horrified, he's like, I'm going to volunteer my wife. And that's how you know that this man is a bastard. Yeah. And then, however far the series goes, like... Maybe this, I don't know, maybe not three seasons, maybe it would have to be a mini-series or something. Because my, my main idea is that the, like, the first arc is the creation of Stepford, and then characters from the book-slash-movie wouldn't start showing up until later on. Like, we have to establish Stepford as a thing before Joanna and Bobby move in and stuff's going down. Okay. And then the, the main man would be played by Kyle MacLachlan, and that's literally all I have. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think this plot up very far. It's okay. I'm still thinking of what I'm going to do next week. <laughs> try, try to somehow get Nicole Kidman and Bette Midler and Glenn Close. Actually, no. No, just. We're only going to try for Glenn Close. Yeah. wonder if Glenn Close is going to show up in the Gorilla Deville live-action movie. 
That would be Did so Did you know awesome. they were making a live-action Cruella de Vil? Not until now. With Emma Stone as Cruella de Vil. I see it. I mean, you can easily see it, because there have been pictures around for a while now. Yeah. Have you seen the original live-action Dalmatians that had Glenn Close? I've seen it once when I was fairly young. <laughs> but I do remember... Good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it actually hewn pretty closely to the original movie. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Close was so good. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, is that I'd, I'd love to do some, like, I love the camp, I love some of the campiness of the original. I've, I've, we've already gone through this. I love parts of the campiness that those five minutes were the only good parts of the film. Everything else is just yikes. Yeah. This, this is a series that, like, the people who willingly submit family members to the process, whether it be murder and replace with a robot or just put the chips in the brain, like, they need to be arrested or killed. There's no redemption when you put someone into that. Yeah. Because fucking, I don't know, you weren't getting enough sex after the 40-hour work week? Yeah, um... We need to demonstrate how profoundly fucked up. Like, this is... Really? Really? Step for Blood is basically, like, a very early episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, with a bit of, like, Handmaid's Tale in there. and Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of leaning more towards, like, either, like a limited series or like a, a mini series because this might be quite dark. Yeah. Like even if it was something with multiple seasons, it'd have to be very short seasons, like ten episodes each. Yeah. Ten episodes in an hour long, you could get a lot of stuff in there. Like Yeah. Well because you want to establish a lot of characters and like Again, if you want to try and go for, like, the halfway twist where you don't even know you're watching a Stepford Wives series, you think it's a murder mystery, and then, the, like, the husband shows back up. He's like, hello, I'm a robot now! Oh, except he's a Kyle <laughs> McLaughlin, but I can't do a Kyle McLaughlin impersonation. Maybe it's Kyle McLaughlin impersonating Christopher Walken. <laughs> I guess the next question would be, like, who else could I cast aside from Kyle McLaughlin? Like... Um... Oh, what's her name? Joanne? Joanna? Joanna. Okay. Joanna. Hmm. Yeah. So Joanna in the book is just, was said to be reasonably pretty or average looking in the film she's portrayed by... Well, in the original film she's played by uh, Catherine Ross, who is rather gorgeous, and then, of course, in the later remake by Nicole Kidman, who is, well... Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing of the whole really any version is that the women can be as beautiful as you want and you can still have the men say that oh but they can be prettier yeah because the standards we all know the women's standards yeah you're never pretty enough exactly and it's always like this one hyper specific type of pretty and behavior and now i'm thinking about the whole like trad trad wife thing and how it's such a modern fucking creation. Yeah. Like, okay, this is something I've been meaning to rant about for a while. Sorry if I'm hijacking this for a hot second. No, please, but like, please hijack. It's better here than on Twitter, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> um, so, the 1950s and the whole idea of, like, the traditional wife where you have, like, the single-income household with a homemaker wife and the 2.5 kids and the two-car garage. That only really existed for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. You could only really reasonably do that if you were the sort of thing that was accessible to 
working class people. That was only available for Americans for about 20 years. And then the economy went to shit. Vietnam happened. Uh, your kids are now part of the largest generation of educated people, like, ever. When you think about the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's actually a fairly modern creation. Hell, like, women of color never got an opportunity to experience that. Or a, a very select few got an opportunity to be housewives. Most had to work. Mm -hmm. Farm wives, just by default of how a farm works. <laughs> you're not like yeah you're doing most of the you're probably doing a lot of the cooking but like there's chores to be done and everything is meant to maintaining the farm and like before that women like especially working class women were expected to at least do uh piecework they would say like hey i'll take in the laundry just pay me like a buck or something like that sort of work at the very least I hate the whole idea that for hundreds of years, women had to stay at home and do the cooking and the cleaning and the raising of the kids. Like, that was part of the thing. But they were also, like, actually doing actual labor. Yeah. And were being paid for it a lot of the times. Industrialization fucked us over. And then World War II, like, post-World War II, fucked us over again. Ah! So, yeah. Tried wife whole thing. That can go fuck itself. Exactly. Not real. It's made up. Exactly. I don't cook, I don't clean. Let me tell you how I got this ring. <gasps> Cardi B is playing Joanna. Yes! <laughs> Can Cardi B act? Probably. I don't fucking know. I, I, I know she was in Hustlers, but I haven't seen Hustlers, and I feel like she's probably just playing herself. Well, I never underestimate the capacity of singers to act and actors to sing. So there. That's, that's true. Jen uh, not Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Lopez has managed to get quite a career off of acting. And I think at this point, Justin Timberlake is known more for acting than he is for singing. Yeah. But yeah, like, there's always been a a lot of crossover to, between actors and singers anyway, so. Oh, she's in Fast and Furious 9. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which will cut out one of these years. <laughs> Give me F9. Release F9 to home video. I've never watched a Fast and Furious movie, but I need to know if Han is a clone. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen only a few of the Fast and Furious movies. I'm just going to say we're not going to reboot the franchise ever. We're just going to add to the franchise. Exactly. We'll we'll do. We will be doing more spinoffs to it. Yes. <laughs> I will say Tokyo Drift is the dumbest one. <laughs> I have actually seen Tokyo Drift now. Oh boy. That's the reason why it went on what like a five year hiatus. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Okay, okay. Here's here's what it is. Here's here's the secret sauce. So Cardi B can play Bobby, which was Bette Midler's character. Okay. She was the and in the original, she was very much the perm, glasses, smoking, jeans feminist. Yeah. And then, and in the 2004 one, she was uh, Bette Midler. So now yeah. now 2020, that is Cardi B. And then Joanna can be played by Nicole Bahari. Ooh, yes. And any excuse to put Nicole Bahari in things. Yes. And then I, I say that we keep it in Connecticut because, um, yeah, why not? Yeah, might as well be. New England, bland suburb. Like, there can, there can be something going on in the background where it's like, I plan to spread the power of Stepford across the entire world. My army of robots. So, when you were 
uh, summarizing the plot, it made me think of this one kind of weird uh, story that's appeared in the last couple of years. So there was this uh, New England suburb where a family moved into a, an old house and they started doing renovations. And it was a fairly young family uh, that moved into this fairly big house. Mm-hmm. And then they start getting weird letters from somebody in the neighborhood being like, oh, the house will have new blood in it. We have been watching this house for generations. My father was the last watcher of it, and now I have taken up the post. Concerning. And yeah, they just got the series of letters. Um, the family has... Um, because it's one of those, like, we put in too much money and the bottom kind of fell out of this local market, so we can't really sell it, so we're going to try and rent it out. But And there's a lot of questions about, like, is this real? Is this a hoax? But maybe have, like, that as some sort of some sort of pistache of that entire situation as kind of, like, the a C-plot, let's say. Or, like, an encouragement to get one of the someone in a household to be turned into a Stepford bot of some mm-hmm. sort or to get the Stepford chip. I don't know that I were 11 wrote Boys from Brazil. I don't even know what that is. It was a novel that was adapted into a movie about Nazi hunters going into South America and finding a, a Nazi clone factory, basically. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got because the whole thing this is the kind of show where the villain would very much see themselves as the hero. It's like, listen, I, I'm fixing the world. I'm forcing these people to have a better mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Their, their, their free will has led them astray. I've turned them into robots. Now they're better people. I've decided. Me. Oh, yeah. Any sort of gender non-conforming. <laughs> Can she have red oh, hair? Yeah. Like a certain author that we know? You froze, but I I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, listen, everything will be great as long as everyone follows my single conservative idea for what it means to make a good community. Isn't that right, Robot Christopher Walken? Yes, everyone is going to follow our ideals, and it will be great. Also, I need more cowbell. <laughs> I've got a fever, and the only solution is more Stepford. <laughs> Who wants to make out with my decapitated head? <laughs> this guy, he's unfucking believable. I love how in Sleepy Hollow, all of his lines are just ah. Oh, I forgot he was in. Oh, he was the horseman in Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. <laughs> we we need to bring Christopher Walken back in, but this time Nicole Nicole Bahari can decapitate him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's not playing Joanna. She is Abby. This is a secret crossover. <laughs> Abby's back from the dead. Neutral relation. <laughs> Abby and Ichabod go undercover to Stepford. <laughs> and team up with Cardi B. <laughs> to play Glenn Close and her robot Christopher Walken. <laughs> I love when one of us comes in here with an extremely vague idea and we accomplish nothing. Yes. All right, in that case, it's time for a friendship promo. This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, 
I must find a way to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit ninthworldjournal.com. I'm assuming it was time for a friendship promo. I, I don't think either of us had anything to add. Yeah. And I have no idea whether this Christopher Walken impression is good or not. It's starting to cross into your Melvin voice. Oh, man, Lindsay! Tell me where people can find you on the internet! I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. You can find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Boot You First, and they're spelled out in pine cones in the shape of a giant penis. <laughs> I, oh, I forgot to mention that. In, so in the 2004 remake, Joanna and Bobby, Nicole Kidman and Bette Midler, they try to like infiltrate one of the community wife gatherings to determine what the fuck's going on with them, and all the, like, it's the book club. But the, bo- the book is just like the latest Reitman's catalog or something. And they're like, this is messed up. And then they're trying to like get them to crack or go off their programming, their 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 uh, script essentially. And they're talking about Christmas decorations. And Bette Midler's like, the one of the wives is like, I heard that the greatest Christmas decorations this year are pine cones. And Bette Midler's like, I was thinking I would just make an entire penis on my front lawn made out of pine cones. Don't you think that would get us in the Christmas spirit? And now the wives are like, what the fuck? The robots? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be a great decoration this year. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, Pe- Mary Penis, everyone gather around the pine cone. <laughs> I mean, a couple of years ago, some brilliant students made a uh, snow dick <laughs> at their university, so yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, you can email us at notifarbeatyouverse at gmail.com and you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite phallic pinecone decorations. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. Or you can send us your own friendship promo, and it can be in the form of an audio clip or just a proofread read, but whether it's for your podcast, or YouTube channel, your DeviantArt page, whatever, send it to us, we will put it on the show for free, we'd love to do so. We also have a Patreon that we still are not encouraging people to donate to because we're fine without the funds we're getting for it, and there are many other more important things to donate to. However, some people have had the opportunity to donate us, and so we are going to thank them. We want to give a big thank you to... Hang on, I got this. Charlie, Cassidy, Christina, Jenny, and Julia. Thank you all. I'm extremely worried that if we get a sixth Patreon, that's just completely going to throw me off. Um, still, if you want to support us outside of Patreon, then you can leave a rating and review for us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I will try and get us in there. Uh, not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network. And you can find out more about the awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPod on, at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art as always is by Alex A.K.A. Pachoo, and her work can be found on C... Hang on. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alice A.K.A. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay, did you think of what you're doing next week? Mm-hmm. We're going to For the to big be- Halo finale? <laughs>
Uh, we're going to be treading some old ground that I've already done with a favorite public domain spooky thing. Ooh. Yeah. And you, you, you can't get any more specific than that, or it'll be too obvious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is the children of the night. Okay, no, now I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Is, is, is it going to feature a very decrepit-looking Charles dance? <laughs> <laughs> is it going to feature a, an edgy Tears for Fears cover? We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> I'm still mad that they cut out Baba Yaga. <laughs> Alright. So we'll be getting there next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.